the Lord our God is able. We worship him. Let's sing this together. God is able.
Oh
now that you're still in control. God, even when the nations rage, you are in control. There's one that's higher than the heavens, higher than the chaos of human circumstance. And so may our hearts be abandoned to you until we give everything that we are. Lord, in this hour, you need your church to be in full surrender, to be full of passion, to serve you with courage, to serve you with sacrifice, to serve you with determination. We pray, Lord, for the suffering church around the world. Those, Lord, that wake up today without any freedom to express their faith in you, without danger, without the threat of death, and we lift up your church around the world. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would inspire, protect, and keep them. And God, may we take advantage of this opportunity to not just spectate, but to participate as a faith family and declaring that your name is above every name, that there is no one else like you, there is no one else beside you. You are Jesus, high and lifted up, Savior of our souls, forgiver of our sins. We bless and celebrate you today. We thank you for all that you are and all that you have done. And God, we praise you for vision. We praise you for an incredible opportunity to serve. Inspire today, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's praise him with all of our heart one time. Come on. As you're seated, I know that you, you can't watch the news without feeling a weight of concern for the world. And that's appropriate, but not to express fear, but faith and, and strong vision. Vision that will require courage. I think it's appropriate today to look back at the commissioning that Jesus gave to his disciples, which is a commissioning to all of us. It's been called the Great Commission, but I see it as the great cause. And Jesus came and told his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 18, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, as a result of that power and that authority, here is our assignment. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit has instructed the church through Jesus' assignment to wait in Jerusalem. And in Acts 1.8, here's what the Bible says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Then he breaks it down geographically. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It goes from that local place where they had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. And it doesn't stop until it has reached the world. That assignment is still ours. The nations are God's idea, but they're our assignment. We have this local expression to this community. You can serve the Lord every day by just sharing your story with people. I plead with you. Open your heart to a fresh fire of the Spirit to share grace with everybody you see. To share your story of life change with everyone you see. To pray for nations. To pray for missionaries. To pray for pastors that are serving in these very difficult places to consider setting aside some of your time and resources to go to another part of the world and allow the Holy Spirit to use you to bring hope and to know that you'll never outgive God in that context. You'll always leave inspired, blessed, and influenced to be more for God. We have an incredible opportunity. I think the world is at its worst, and this is our hour to be at our best. Can you say amen? I don't feel we need to have a heavy weight of discouragement. We need to feel a heavy weight of responsibility today and know that equal to that assignment is the power, the authority of the Holy Spirit that will make us equal to the challenge that we face. 
Which means, with hope, we can confront the culture, we can confront the future, and know that Jesus is not caught off guard by the circumstances that are unfolding right now. He's still in control, and he's still calling his church to be that light, like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that seeing your good works, they will begin to glorify the Father who is in heaven. You feel the stirring, don't you? To identify, to invest, and invite. Oftentimes, we'll show you pictures of places we've been. We'll roll video footage of the activity and try to communicate the story through that. But I think there are times you just need to hear from the people who actually went. And helping me in the introduction of this message so that we understand this assignment and, and what takes place in us and through us when we go are some team members from the Alaska trip, and the Uganda trip. There are three others that we'll recognize next week. But I want you to see this assignment. In Matthew 28, God said to go. It's a two-letter word, but it is much easier to say than it is to do. I was raised in a Christian family. I was raised going to church from my earliest memories. Church was just part of life and I remember my grandmother saying to me, Ron, along the way, it will be easier to stay than to go. And what she meant by that is it'll be easier to be silent than to speak up and express faith and reach out to people. She said, the longer that you're a Christian, it's like you've walked through a door of salvation that was opened to you by Jesus. And you're in like, say, a household of faith. And she said, just like when you go into your house or you come into my house, The deeper you go into the house, the more unaware you are of the people that are still outside of the house. And the longer you're a Christian, if you aren't careful, you will become unaware of those who are on the outside needing in. And there needs to be a faith family that will stay at the door of salvation, continuing to rescue the perishing. And I have never forgotten that metaphor, that illustration. Because now at 48, it is so true that the longer you're saved, the tendency is to drift from mission. The longer a church is in existence, there is a tendency to drift from original mission. Can we celebrate today that we don't have to drift? We don't have to be off one degree from the magnetic north of high calling that Jesus has. Instead of history working against us, why don't we allow it to work For us, so that we're not trying to rev up our evangelistic passion, but it's literally an unstoppable force. Rather than trying to get the church to love Jesus and serve Jesus, why aren't we waking up every day and saying, you know, we're serving so much, we're looking for opportunity? An unstoppable force. I got to preach to you today that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Gates are defensive measures. They do not move. They're standard. It's the church that is a movement. It's the church that is advancing. It is the church that is still going that is making a difference. My grandma would say it like this, don't ever lose your go ye. And it takes the Holy Spirit to stir us, to remind us of where Jesus found us. To remind us that there are still people who need that grace right in our neighborhood, right where we work, and across the world. And if we'll release the time, the talent, and the treasure that is in this room, we can shine a light that is bright here, and it'll shine far around the world. I believe it with all of my heart. Would you welcome some of the team members who served in Alaska as they come? Would you put your hands together and welcome them? Hey, as they're coming, if you were on the Alaska team, why don't you stand up? If you were on that team, you stand up. We celebrate you. Oh, I feel a fire in my heart. I I feel a sense of, of fresh mission and commissioning. Pastor Chris, tell us about the Alaska trip. All right, well, very quickly, um, we take all these trips 
through our missions program and our student ministry called World Impact. And this is what would be considered our level four team. Um, and so typically this trip goes to Latin America. And, uh, but we uh, were just praying about it. And we felt like this was a place that we were supposed to go to. And that is Kotzebue, Alaska. Kotzebue is in the northwest part of Alaska right off of the coast. And it's actually just 30 miles north of the Arctic Circle. And so that was quite interesting um, after traveling for a day and a half. Uh, coming into about 40 degree weather that was rainy for most of the week that we were there. Uh, But as soon as we got there, the pastor wanted us to start canvassing, going around the town, passing out invites uh, door to door. And so we just did that and the students got right on it. Um, Even just like I said, after the long traveling and and all of that, they did a great job just going out around the village um, and just passing out these invites. And basically what the invites were for is is it set up uh, the next four days of ministry that we did while we were there. And in the afternoon, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., we would do VBS. And, uh, and then in the evenings, we would do a youth service from 7 to 9. And uh, those would sometimes go on till 11 or even after that because the students were just so hungry for fellowship and hanging out with one another. But oftentimes, God was just moving so powerfully in the altars that people would just be praying and praying and praying and students. And it was incredible what God did uh, while we were there. The VBSs grew in, in size numerically almost. Each day, we started off around 65, our first day for the VBS, and it grew to get around 100 or so, and the youth services did the exact same thing. And so uh, Calvin, who's one of the other trip leaders, and Pastor Joel, when we spoke to the youth service, we had this idea uh, of speaking to them about something called the sequel. And basically, each time we spoke to them, it was this idea of your story continues even when we pack up and we head back to Oklahoma. God still wants to do a work in you and through you, and so... So we spoke to them about that, and uh, we encouraged them. But just as much as we encouraged them, they encouraged us and our team as well. Hearing their testimonies, we had each student give a testimony. But their students also, from their student ministry, gave testimonies of what God was doing in their life. And it was fantastic to hear, and it was encouraging all the things that, that they battle, things like loneliness, depression, alcoholism, and all these things that are so rampant in that area. Um, it was just so cool to see teenagers be on fire for God, even though, you know, the people in their immediate home, their their close family members just weren't supporting that at all. And so you'll hear more of that from our students and leaders, but it was an amazing trip and what God did there. I have heard from each of these leaders, Dr. Rosso and Pastor Joel, about the heaviness that's in this community and uh, suicide tendencies really high. Even while they were there, students were being worked with who had attempted suicide. Devin, I want you to tell us, this is a young man, part of our ministry. He's been on different mission trips, first time to Alaska. Tell us how you felt the Lord used you to bring hope to this village. Um, yeah, we did the VBS at 1 to 4 for four days when we were there in Alaska in Kotzebue. And we just had this all of a sudden, uh, this connection with the kids in the VBS. And it was just really cool to see the joy that we got to bring with us to them. And they got to really express that they were really happy, and they got to do something that they don't normally do. And it's really cool to see the way that their hearts were happy and they were joyful, and we got to be there to experience it. So it was kind of cool. And we, they would be there for like an hour before it would even start. So wow. they would be making faces through the door, and we would be making faces back at them, and it would just be fun. And then we got to go outside and kind of a little bit more personal with them. But... It was really, really good, and it, I feel like their hearts were joyful for us to be there, and we were joyful for them to be with us. Wow. So it was really cool. That's awesome, Devin. That's incredible. Just before, hold up, hold the mic for just a second. Devin, tell everybody how old you are. I'm 18. And what trips have you been on through the World Impact Youth Ministry? Uh, I have been to KC. That was my first one, Kansas City. And then I went to L.A. for my second trip, Belize for my third And then now Alaska. Isn't that awesome? Great young man. Thank you. Megan, this is Megan Berry. Megan, tell us about how you felt the Holy Spirit used you to bring hope uh, to this area. Well, one thing was um, just through fellowship. And I learned a new side of fellowship that I haven't really focused on before. And that was through um, as much as we wanted to pour out on those people they wanted to pour back into us. There was a lady I sat next to on Sunday morning service. At the end, we just talked, and at the end, I ended up praying for her. At the Sunday night service, she came up to me and asked if she could pray for me. 
And I just thought that was amazing. And there was a little girl, her name was Kirsten, and she was really, really shy. She, she didn't like to talk. The community there, their culture, they observe before they open up. And finally, on the last day, you know, I would get a nod or shake your head, like, can I pray for you? She'd nod her head, and I'd pray with her. And, but finally, on the last day, she comes up to me, gives me a huge hug, and finally talks to me. She goes, I'm going to miss you. And I just thought that was so cool. Um, and they, just our presence is what gave a sense of hope to them. And I could see that in their faces, you know. Like Devin said, they would come an hour, an hour and a half early making faces through the window. And then when it was time to leave, we would find them hiding under the pews because they didn't want to leave. Wow. We had to pull them out. Wow. Remain standing here. Dr. Rosso led, Pastor Joel led, Pastor Chris, the rest of you again that went on the Alaska trip. Stand up one more time. This team went and they served. We're so proud of you guys. And I think one of the points that we need to hear from just the spirit today is that when you go, you give hope. And people need hope. As this team goes to their seats, would you put your hands together for them? And let me invite the Uganda team to come up. We took 27 to Uganda. If you were on the Uganda team, would you stand? It was an awesome trip. Pastor Chance, we've been going to Uganda now for a few years. Tell the church what we did this year. Well, we partnered about three years ago with uh, missionaries Mike and Lori Reed and uh, Tim Case of Tim Case International Ministries. And so we went over, there was a, a team of 26 this year, and that team has grown. It's, uh, it's fun to see that, uh, it's more than fun, it's, it's effective to see a, uh, a church grow in their mission. And so this year we went, and really it, was, it would be layers of ministry. There was the first layer of ministry that would be maybe the front line. It was a VBS. It was uh, teaching Christ in uh, his most simple form. Uh, we did a chapel for elementary students. And so there was that layer of ministry. There was a medical clinic in which we were meeting needs right at the, right at the, the foundation level. And I say foundation because you're talking about people who have illnesses that are treatable here but not there. And so we were meeting those needs. But then there was another layer. And uh, that layer was very interesting to see because it was a layer that we've had to grow into as a church in our partnership there. And that layer was the layer that says we're going to be here for 10, 10 days. But you are going to be here the other 355 days out of the year. So how do we equip you as a believer to continue to meet the needs in your community? And so we, we had teacher training. We taught teachers how to implement literacy strategies, how to teach their students to read, how to teach their students to speak English. Um, then we, we trained pastors. We had three pastors' conferences going on. We had a pastors' conference for women. We had a pastor's conference for leaders that, that you led, and then we had another pastor conference for about the other 60 pastors of that area, and so uh, we had all that, and then we were building a building, and so that building will be their next uh, pre-K center, and so on this 14 acres, what you saw is every single day, all of that was going on, and lives were definitely touched. Awesome. These are two of the young people that went on this trip. This is Caleb Jones. Uh, let's pass the mic to him. Caleb, tell everybody how old you are. I'm 18 years old. Uh, what are your future plans? I'm going to go to TCC for a year and then to ORU. Awesome. Where have you been on trips serving the Lord around the world? My first trip was to Kansas City, Missouri, um, then to Los Angeles, San Antonio, last year to Honduras, and then now to Uganda. That's incredible. Tell us how you felt God used you to bring hope to Uganda. Um, well, I guess to kind of go through our schedule, every morning we would wake up and the four other guys, uh, the four other World Impact guys and myself, we would go and do construction. And uh, it was just the beginning stages of the building that they're building there, and so we were digging the foundation. And um, for those of you that have ever done $50,000 days, it is preparation for Africa, I promise <laughs> you, all the digging that you have to do. Um, but so we did that and it was just a blessing, you know, to be with those guys and just to help them out a little bit and, uh, just dig a ditch really. 
And um, then the afternoons, we would go and do the vacation Bible school with the kids. And so we would get to play with them. Um, we got to play all sorts of sports, soccer, football. Um, and then we got to dance, do just different kids' songs. Uh, we got to put on some dramas and teach lessons. And it was just cool um, just to be able to see God in the little things, um, just in loving on them. And uh, even in fellowship with the adults, this is the first trip that we've gone on as students with the adults as well. And... Uh, so just the fellowship that we got to have with them as well was awesome. And just, you know, be able to bring hope to all the people of Uganda together was just a really cool thing. And we may never be able to see the impact that we had there, but we know that we definitely made a difference. So. Proud of you, Caleb. This is Savannah Farmer. Tell everyone where you've been. Um, I, I'm 18. <laughs> and I have gone to Columbia, Missouri, Kansas City, Los Angeles, uh, I skipped a year, and then I went to Honduras, and then now I've gone to Uganda. What was your experience uh, on this trip? Um, on this trip, as Caleb said, they did construction in the morning. Well, the girls the first day, they were like, yeah, you guys can do construction too. Well, we're all wearing skirts like this long, okay? And so we go out there, and, and they're digging the stitch. And we're like, okay, so what can we do? And they're like, you can uh, use the wheelbarrows. And <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. And so we did that the first day, and then we were like, mm, okay, you guys are going to work in the medical clinic the rest of the time. <laughs> and we were like, okay, we're cool with that. But uh, the medical clinic was probably where my heart really was, because that's what God has for my life, is going into the medical field. And so I love being able to um, actually reach these people. I mean, the physical need there was so, um, was so prevalent. And uh, I know Tim Case has provided the medicine there for them. And so uh, we had this doctor there, and she went through these families of, like, 80 pastors and their wives and children. And we were able to give them medicine for their physical need. And though we met their spiritual needs, too, and the VBS and everything we did there, I thought that was just the best part of being there. Awesome. Thank you. We're proud of you. As we passed to Mandy, I watched Caleb and Savannah and all those who serve with them uh, just do these different tasks. And when they would teach the children, I watched as they were going through their material, not feeling like they were connecting the way they wanted. And I watched them regroup, figure out different ways, and just the maturity that you guys expressed on this trip uh, in serving the need was amazing. And I just know God is doing great things in your life. And he has an amazing, amazing destiny for you. And uh, you could have just stayed home and done other things. But you set aside this time. You worked hard. I know it costs a lot of money to go. And you raised that money. And I'm just really proud of you and all of the students who did this. Standing down here is one of our awesome pastors. She oversees all of the nursery and early childhood. She's amazing. Would you welcome Mandy Myers? And she's going to tell us her experience. Um, my trip to Uganda could probably be summed up in every single emotion you've ever experienced in your entire life. <laughs> um, I've never been so overwhelmed with emotion. Um, there was joy. There was frustration. There was anger at times. Um, and there was profound sadness that I really struggle with dealing with. And so um, those times of joy, I really kind of just hung on to. And those were those times when the kids would see you and they would run up to you and um, be jumping and singing and smiling. And um, the times when the church services would be going on and we would pull up and we could hear them praising and worshiping the exact same God that we do. And it was just very real. It was um, raw and it was so honest. And so I just, those times were really what I hung on to because the times of sadness were when you would um, look in their eyes and you see kind of emptiness. It was just some, even the older, it's mainly older boys that would start to get hard and hollow. Um, they're in a survival mode. So they struggle like with joy. And so that was really hard. And so as a mom, and I'm sure there's many moms and fathers and grandparents out there, um, you want them to know tenderness. You want them to know love. You want them to feel accepted. And you want them to know that you see them, that you truly see them, and you've recognized them for who God mm. created them to be. 
And so those are the times that were really hard for me, but I was, I had moments I was like, okay, God, I don't know what to do with all this. And it was just a lean on me and do you, because I've prepared you for this time. And so in that, um, just we would love on him, and in that they would caress your skin, they would touch your face, and you could tell, like, some of them, it may have been the first time that they got a motherly, loving touch that says that I love you, and that there is someone that loves you even more, and his name is Jesus. So every day, I pray for them, and I pray that they know the true love of Jesus, that is tender, it's honest, and that it sees them. So I've never been in more awe of God's capacity to love. He loves children all over the world, all over. And so I have never wanted more to have that same capacity. So that's incredible. Thank you. You know, when you go, you're asking the Lord to use you, but the activity of God in you is always so life-changing. In our staff meeting on Tuesday, we began to share and had the pastors telling their experience, and it just broke out into a, a prayer meeting that lasted about an hour of just giving God thanks for the opportunity to be part of the kingdom of God and the opportunity to go and serve. Tim Case, I met him a few years ago, and he's one of my best friends But also, through his ministry, we get to partner, and that's how this happens in Uganda. When you're driving this this dirt road, this just exactly what you would have in your mind of being in a country like that, you get to a high point, and you see something so different. And it's these amazing buildings that house the school, the church, the dwelling for the man that oversees the property. Um, Until last year, all of the food that was cooked for hundreds of kids every day was done on an open fire outside. These ladies would bend over and make this fire. And now they have a cafeteria. They have a, a kitchen unlike anything they could have ever imagined. This used to be land where the violence was so amazing that when people would get killed, they would just throw people into this area. And it was called the land that drank blood. And now when you pull up, it's like this oasis It's like a center of hope and ministry. You can't even imagine what it used to be because it's been so transformed. And it's love and sacrifice and vision that has caused it to be that. And uh, Tim Case is the one that drives that vision. God put it in his heart back in 1999, and uh, he just keeps leading. Tim, come. We honor you today. We thank you for letting us partner with you. Share with the people. Ron earlier this morning if I could have a chance to talk with the church just because I wish you could see these guys and the youth in Uganda like I get to see them. It would be, if you could see how they are here versus how they are there, it would blow your mind because it's, it's just different. It's amazing. These guys with the way Chance and the church and, and you guys fund missions when these guys get over there, they're, they're ready to hit the dirt and get busy, and they do. They're making a difference in lives that it's, there's just no other way you can do it as effectively as what the church is, is doing. Um, the kids, when we go out there, they're, every time we go out there when we don't have a group with us, we've always got kids from the village running up to the cars and asking us where's and they call you by name. Where's the assembly? Where's Pastor Ron? Where's Chance? And they'll name other people who have been on the trips as well. They, They remember all of that individual people and the individual touch and affection that they get. The stuff our kids get every day, these guys don't get. So as much as we do with the medical, the teaching, the preaching, the evangelism, the VBS, the training with the teachers... Some of the very best stuff that goes on is that personal time that we're able to spend with these kids. And these kids take that and they suck it up and they love every bit of it because they don't get the same stuff our kids get. So when you talk about reaching, we've had 
probably four or five hundred people on site for this missions trip, the number of people that you're actually spreading the light of Christ to, you can't, you can't count because you've got five hundred or so people on this on this property, but yet the average family size is ten to twelve people. So when you send these people home to their families and their villages all around Uganda that we work with, you're spreading the light of Christ to thousands upon thousands of people who get to see a little bit of what we have because of what you guys are willing to do as a church. Nothing that happens on the missions field happens without a great church and a great partnership with the assembly, with guys just like you guys. So I wanted to thank you, Mike and Lori. I know they wish they could be here as well. They're off pastoring, uh, preaching at another church this morning. But on behalf of me and Mike and Lori, I really wanted to get a chance to thank you for your diligence, for your support, for your faithfulness, for everything that we're able to do in Uganda because of, because of you guys. So thank you very much. Let's show our appreciation to all of these team members. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. In the few minutes that we have, I just want to express this idea of going. The Lord has shown me this year that when we go, it is always an answer to someone else's prayer. I'm talking about when you go, take the effort to talk to a neighbor, to befriend someone, and ultimately invest in them a story of hope. Or you go on a short-term mission trip. It's always an answer to someone else's prayer. As I've gotten to know these pastors, I've had more than one of them say how much they prayed for an opportunity to learn, and through the ministry that Tim's created there, there is now that component where they can develop what what the Bible says, how to preach the Scripture, how to give leadership to a church, and they get to come together twice a year. They get to see be seen by a doctor. They get to have fellowship with each other. They grow. And they prayed for that. When you go, it's always an answer to someone else's prayer. So we must never stop fulfilling this great cause, this great commission. When you look at what's happening in the Ukraine, when you see what is unfolding in Iraq, in Israel... When I stood and looked at those hundreds of children there in Uganda and the need that is there, it's overwhelming. And I could take you to the place as I was watching the interaction of our team with those children. As I was looking at those pastors, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, God is big enough to be in control. And he's personal enough to stay in touch. And what that meant to me was, you know, with all these things that seem uncertain and chaotic and out of control, there is still one who is in control. And there is one who is, you know, he's not only so magnificent, but yet he's so personal that he cares about every child of every country. He cares about you. He is mindful of you. He cares about where you are what you're going through, what your burdens are. Here he is, a God who's not caught by surprise by anything that has unfolded this last week. He's not a God who has suddenly lost control. He is absolutely in control. And yet he's not this distant, you know, supernatural machine. He is a person who is in touch with children who have malaria, He's in touch with pastors who just about eight hours ago led their congregation in worship with no instruments, no building, in villages that are predominantly influenced by false religions, and yet they were there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus saw them, was aware of them, saw when they went to sleep last night, when they got up this morning, inspired their heart with the sermon, was there as they were preaching. He's there with them. This great pastor that took me back to the airport, he, I said, how's your family? Because I've gotten to know him. He said, well, my two youngest are fighting malaria. But I knew they would get medicine 
through this ministry. And so I was so grateful that we could pray and that there was also medical help available. But it's still different than here where they live and the conditions. And, and, and I had this burden. I said, Lord, this just seemed, this is hard. It is hard to think about. And yet the Holy Spirit said, I'm big enough to be in control. I am personal enough to be in touch. And when you go, I don't think I would have experienced that by staying. You experience that by going. Going across your street. Going to the back-to-school outreach this Saturday. Going on a short-term missions trip. Going. And then finally, we were sitting at a restaurant there in Uganda, and very different than the restaurant here, but here's what's the same. You can get Coke. I've been to some remote places, but I've never been to a place yet that didn't have Coke. And it just has always stood out to me like, you mean way out here you can still get Coke. And as I was sitting watching our team, been working hard, and you know, people say, can I get a Coke? They go, yes. Oh, I want a Coke. And they would drink the Coke. My mind raced to the guy that started it. And then the man who became the president. And his passionate vision for 50 years was that everyone in the world would taste Coke. Is there anyone in this room, I'm not saying you like Coke. Is there anyone in this room that has never even tasted Coke? Anyone? His passionate vision for 50 years was that everyone would taste Coke. And now they have these interesting stats, like if you took cans of Coke and you stacked them on top of each other next to Mount Everest, which is 29,000 feet high. If you were going to put cans of Coke that represent all the Coke that's been produced, it would take over 20 million columns, 29,000 feet high. It'd go to the moon and back 1,057 times. All because the man said, it is my passionate desire that everybody in the world would taste Coke. Now it's over in over 190 countries. It outpaced the church. It outpaced the spread of the gospel. Coke got to places before the message of Jesus. And I have to be very honest and tell you, I'm thankful for Coke. But I'm a lot more thankful for Jesus. And if a man and a company can get inspired with a vision so that everyone in the world could taste Coke, and you can go to these remote places and still find it, should there be one person in the world that has not heard of the message of Jesus when you consider the eternal influence and the abundant life and the sacrifice made, could we once again remember that we have been saved not to sit and think and hope that somebody gets the message out there? We have been saved to serve our community, to serve our world, to serve the needy, to serve the lost, because it's all going to come down to the day that we stand before God, and it's going to come down to this. When you've done it unto the least of these, you were doing it as unto unto me. May we be inspired. May we be more on vision than ever before. May your desire to go be at an all-time fevered pitch. And it's not somewhere that has to be a thousand miles away. It can be. Matter of fact, if you, if you have kids, I, I wouldn't allow them to grow up without saying, you're going to experience serving Jesus in another place, in another context, and the older you get, the longer you're going, and the farther away it will be, so that you can understand a worldview and what it is like in other places, so that you can experience God for yourself there and experience the activity of God through you in a place like that. But if we can go there, but we can't go across the street, if we can have the motivation to go and dig footings 
and give it all we have and conduct VBS and do medical outreach and give of our energy and give of our money and give of our thoughts and give of our talent. And then we let weeks go by without telling anybody about Jesus locally, then there is something out of balance. As Pastor David Baird said, we're on 52 mission trips every year. Every week is a mission. Every day we are on mission. Today is no different than the Sunday that I was in Uganda. We're called of God, redeemed by the blood, in the family, with a message. It is the message. There's one name given among men whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus. May we be a city set on a hill, the light of the world, and the salt of the earth. May we go with passion and intentionality. Lord, I pray today that you would stir us. Stir us, O oh God, that we might be stirred. Stir us, O oh God, that we might be stirred. Lord, remind us that you have created us. And we're created for purpose that is significant and eternal. May we experience this idea of going locally and globally. May we experience the idea of going through partnership, through the support of missionaries and organizations that serve in places 24 hours a day, seven days a week. May we, Lord, be mindful of the neighbor who has a struggle. We could be a source of encouragement and hope. God, I pray that your church, this church here in this American city, where we are so blessed, where there are so many creature comforts, where there's so much luxury, where there's so many blessings, that it would make us a blessing, that our comfort would not be used just to be comfortable, but to be comforters. That, Lord, we would take all the blessings you've given us and we would turn it into responsibility of ministry so that others can know. God, to hear these students share out of their heart, to know the sacrifices they made to get there, the time they set aside, I pray that you would stir more people than ever to say, I am on the next trip. That you would stir people to say, I'm going to be part of this back to school outreach this Saturday. I'm going to be there to serve in any capacity that I can. We are going to reach people for Jesus. We're going to serve our neighborhoods and we're going to serve nations. Stir us with that, Lord, in the deepest way, in the deepest way. Lord, I'll stand with heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. And Lord, I'll be found among that number that wants to be part of a cause. With your eyes closed in the presence of God, Jesus gave a parable. He said, go out into the highways and compel people to come in that my house would be full. He then told the story of a shepherd who had all of these sheep and one left the fold. And he left the 99 and went after the one, the one that was lost. Lord, impact that to our heart. You were showing us who you are through that story. You were showing us strategy in that story. You were helping us understand what it means to go by that story. So, Lord, we exist for those who don't know you. If we can stay purpose-driven to reach the lost, 
then we'll avoid the sickness of being preference driven. Our history won't work against us to make us inwardly focused and self-absorbed. It will work so that this heritage can be part of foundation and sacrifice, spiritual maturity to where we stay focused on the main thing. What could you do with us, Lord, if we all made a fresh commitment to the Great Commission? The talent you've put in the people of this room. Lord, you have given a dream where that talent can be expressed. May that dream be bigger than ever. May it be more contagious than ever. People that would live believing that there is a God who can do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. Stir us, Lord. Stir us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want the worship team to sing this song. And I think the way we should express our commitment is if you're in, if you're saying, you know what, I'm all in. I'm going to use my one and only life to the best of my ability to honor God and honor the purpose of God. As we sing this, may your commitment be expressed in standing. like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and experience that grace, experience that life change. I want to pray for you and pray with you. If that is you, would you just raise your hand right now? But raise it quick. Let me see it. Let me pray for you today. Say, I need that life change to occur in my life. Anyone, you say, that's me. Someone whose heart's been cold toward God. And today, the Holy Spirit has gripped you to get back to your first love to devote your heart again to the Lord. You've not been devoted to Jesus. But today, He's calling you to rededicate your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. Let me pray with you. Let the Holy Spirit just stir this this surrender in your heart. Say, I need to be at my best, and I haven't been. I'm surrendering to God. Anyone across this place. 
So thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the meaning that comes from this day and lives on within us to challenge us. May we take advantage of every opportunity today, tomorrow, through this week. And Lord, challenge people to get on the team to serve the community this Saturday. And we give you praise in advance for the things that you will do. Thank you, Lord, for giving us so great a salvation. And everybody said, one more time, let's praise Jesus for grace and for a purpose. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. You're dismissed.